Christian host. To the man at sea, the horizon appears a perfect circle, but on land it bumps up due to topographic irregularities. By the time we reached Africa, I had forgotten just how irregular it could be. In Rome, I seemed always to be in a valley looking up at steeples or on a bluff looking down on churches. Then I was on a train in the winter, which is a rather extreme lack of perspective. Even with electric light, it is a disordered way of looking at things, so framed and monodimensional. Then there were the various hotels, the North Sea docks, the large German workers, and at last aboard the boat. We sailed and we sailed until I found myself at the transit house, flat yellow dust at my feet, savannah planted plateau in the middle distance and mountains on the horizon. And at this point in the story I am back on the boat staring out the porthole at the perfect circle of horizon. During this time I met several interesting people. One was a ship's captain of indeterminate eastern ancestry, little more than a slave to his line and his log, son's dote. Two others were Ernest and Nanette Cayman, retired capital types. In a moment I shall speak of a certain Miss Springman and a gentleman of the cloth who drew me from my study and into another tawdry bout of active negativity. Our boat was anchored in the harbor at Monrovia. We were headed for Hong Kong. While traveling, I experienced great mental anguish, which I trust is not too, too transparent. I felt I was fleeing some extraordinary fate awaiting me in my native land. Yet I continuously displayed all the telltale signs of homesickness. Well, I freely admit that experience has never been my strong suit. Ah, oh, where do people go in this small world? Where could we even begin to hide? Myself, I can't disappear for an instant, even though it be my fondest desire. My perception remains a constant and sequential hell peopled on an endless tape stretched off into the measurable distance and curving over the horizon. That self-same perfectly absurd shared illusion Shea knew. Any captain on any vessel sailing any of the seven seas will tell you the same story. Now a different sort of fellow may have sought some relief from such a prison of consciousness and sexual excess or drug abuse, some obsessive behavior, a twitch perhaps, roaming hands or a tick, a binding fetish, anything to escape this continuous drone of neural notification that is such a characteristic of the real world. But my road is not such a road. With my new-found friends, the Cayman, ashore purchasing native artifact, I was left to my own device aboard the boat and fell easy prey to all manner of fellow passenger. There was a cleric there, a meaty sort of fellow with backward collar named Murchison. He was in his late forties or his early fifties. It's so hard to tell with a man of the cloth. Anyway, he was a real spook, and, I suspect, in secret, a torch. That is, I suspicioned him a closet arsonist. Not that I had a scrap of evidence, and not a word of my suspicions did I breathe to a soul aboard. I'm sure he lived in constant fear he would wake one morning with his faith in tatters and some dim reflection of his shenanigans in the dailies. And don't think they don't fight back that sort. 
More than once he'd breasted me in some brutal exchange of language. Miss Deborah Springman was another such. She was the serious young lady on board the boat. What a horror! And thick as a thief with the reform pastor. One day she'd take canvas and easel to the tip of the bow and pose with her bristling little brush for all who wished to ogle her, clad only in the scantiest of South Pacific bikini. And they thought themselves so moral. Well, the possibility for sin seemed endless to me. Needless to say, I was very, very careful when it came to my dealings with the both of them. For all I knew, they were unwittings, or professional entrappers, or both. So many were in those troubled times. They both believed, for obscure reasons known best to those who actually professed the Christian fellowship, that if they, by any chance, found me alone and unoccupied, I must wish, out of some primordial necessity, to take them on in an ersatz emotional partnership and tote them about in a disgusting dependency relationship like so much leather luggage. Or worse... In the case of Miss Springman, there was no doubt she wished in the depths of her mind to engage me in one or more of the infinite varieties of erotic intimacy. I tried to keep a moderate and reasoned distance from the good girl, but when I realized her fantasy of our encounter perhaps involved the manipulation of fecal debris, today's most common degeneracy, I just about flipped my lid. Can't you just imagine me pushing her black apples about those rolling decks in a deadly game of scatological shuffleboard? It's just a good thing for her she never asked me to perform my palsied little waltz in her bedpan. I would have given her an earful. And if I'm any judge of character, she probably had me footnoted for a sheet of saran wrap and plastic flatware. Little did they know how distasteful I found their company. Now I know that nothing is important enough to keep a secret, no matter how hard one may try. As I said to Rory as he lay dying in that Hong Kong tea house, My darling Rory, what do you want? Just another showbiz funeral? A regular Finnegan's wake? Of course I was really bawling my eyes out, but I wouldn't let him see it for all the stew in China. Well... Deborah was, naturally enough, taking her virginal brush with egocentric incest to an early grave, sad as it seems. I don't want to go into it here, no more than to sketch it in the boldest strokes. The Vienna Triangle. It seems Mom wouldn't put out, and Pop didn't want to break the law and go with an illegal, so the child suffered. An absolute fantasy in this sort of situation, I assure you. Nothing more, nothing less. Oh, woe to the selfish housefrau. But why carp, I always say. And the good cleric, it seems, just couldn't keep it in his pants. His apostolic turkey's neck, that is. It has always been thus and so with this churchy type. All manner of perfectly ordinary, perfectly nice, well-mannered and well-preserved, attractive and virtuous middle-class lady has fallen to the carpet upon hearing his latest sermon of Sunday morning potency. He'd worked the Dearborn area of Michigan in his youth until he drank his way to Los Angeles. Hollywood took him to her bosom, but at some critical juncture he seems to have fallen short of her hopes for him. Hence he was sent on this long vacation with a side order of missionary activity. 
May the good Lord have mercy on the infidel. He finally disappeared in a cloud of circumstance outside a cafe after we had docked on the island of Bali. I put it all down to the intoxication of his faith. Listening to this man ramble, I remembered just how autocratic and godless monotheism could be. In fact, had always been. Especially in its messianic and evangelical modes. Religion's juvenilia. Because, of course, he wasn't speaking merely for himself as an individual, but, I am sure, spoke as a real and true representative member of all Christian sects and creeds everywhere professed. Even more, I feel he spoke for all one-godded people the world over. No, these preachers can't help themselves when they meet liberal agnostic free thinkers such as myself. He would approach me where I sat on my chaise lounge with, say, Gibbon or Virgil or Dante or Plato, say I'd been once more rereading the Symposium or another of the perennial favorites. Uh, say it were a more modern classic, say Kierkegaard or Cao Sui Chin or the later Isherwood, and begin his spiel, shifting his weight from heel to toe, toe to heel, foot to foot, and back again. I don't know what he could possibly have hoped to accomplish with this purely physical maneuver. After all, the only issue between us on any meaningful level was the very life of the mind herself. Well, I'll admit I am less than blameless. I stuck it to the old boy more than once to the hilt of my powers of rational thought. For, as we all know, freedom of religion is a two-way street. Consider an alternative, I'd say, much in the mode of his noble Hindu savage, or the lowest Toltec, Aztec, or Inca stonemason on the shores of Lago Titicaca, or at work on Cusco, that uniformed one-storied city and worked stone unlimited in his possibilities for a hopeful fate, rich in the fruit of his function itself. It's just so obvious monotheism and its obverse only serve the central state, never the differentiated individual. Or think on the model of polar diffraction at adventure, the way the poles diffract energy, E, for instance, under the heat of the nighttime sun and the pressure of a globe pining for a big bang, say MC, in the face of God become manifest, clearly appearing to those attuned to the beauty of these light waves under spells of fatigue and disorientation, when fear is forgotten for an instant or perceived in stupor or intoxication or the pernicious influence of repeating decimal or syncopation's inducement to swoon or the spiral cascade of a garden hose or the strobing of a double tinkler or some half-forgotten hammer blow to the head or neck or chops just by way of instance. Oh, I wasn't just drunk with myself when I said that. Really. I was so distracted I hardly said what I said. He'd counter me then with some piece of sacral misinformation, some tidbit of pathos concerning the function of a ministerial busybody and the wretchedness which surrounds us, something akin to. He would have died on a bench in the park had I not drug him into the rector's cellar to expire. I mean, really, how pretentious. And to think they preach this gibberish. 
My anger was tapped by this nth degree of pomposity, and I'll admit to battering about his theological front. I am the Lord, I said. Thy God, we are forced to say, is merely the feeble rally cry of a desperate and lonely desert chieftain, hell-bent on sexual domination, cursing in advance the frightful earth on which he stood in fear, desiccate and infecund. I'm sick of these imitation adults dressed in sports clothing, weekend gear, treating thought as a full-time hobby. I mean, I love the passive and leisurely thought of the middle class, but such indulgence inevitably leads to sexual possession. I'm not one to brag, but by this time the man was in a wretched state and I had yet to square my argument. Not that I am in any way proud of having caused his wretchedness, because I don't think I did. But I do quite fancy myself in logical discourse. Perhaps I realized my goading and jiving had been too flesh-biting and withering for the old man, so I turned my interrogative upon Miss Springman, who sat beside him like a swami on his face. I barely had time to say, picture if you would, a Christian host on the threshold of great carnage and the vagaries of one-eyed bloodlust, when she flared up and accused me of being an impotent buffoon, bandying phrases and mixing metaphors to the detriment of organized religion and to the personal pain of a very sweet, very pious man, who, if he were not able to help a body, would never cause him harm. Well, it was certainly no concern of mine that this semi-sainted prelate grasped at any opportunity afforded to lead by self-appointment certain sad souls through this our little club met of disenchantment. Then she called me selfish and obstructionist, and to add slander to insult something only a mother could love. Well, I sorely wanted to leap to my feet, shouting, Point of order! But merely gripped my flatware more tightly and held my tongue. Furthermore, she continued, she was not my mother, nor did she wish to be. She was quite right, of course, but I had thought the statement of it rather gratuitous. She appeared before me, she said, as an ordinary American girl seeking only personal salvation and intellectual stimulation. Well, I could hardly keep from giggling when she dragged out that clinker. She had no interest in my sort of negativity, she claimed, and if I chose to get physical, she would immediately call the purser, who, she was sure, had my number. Well, she was wrong about that. He didn't care what I did. We all remained silent for a moment, and then I said, I deplore this tendency on the part of the children of wealthy people to invest authority in ticket-takers. Not that the purser is not a fine gentleman and a personal friend, I declared, but I will not have him waved about above my head as if he were a club. This a conversation took place, you may remember, in the harbor at Monrovia, full of ships whistling and tooting while awaiting necessary repair to our prow. The captain himself returned shortly after we had finished with each other. He called us together in the dining room. The Cayman had returned on the same punt and announced that for some strange reason, which he was at a loss to explain, we would not be able to obtain the mechanical and technical services which we so urgently required here in Liberia, and were therefore forced by circumstances to set sail post-haste for Cape Town, where he fervently hoped we would get what we wanted. But before the captain returned and made this announcement, I summoned some energies from my small reserve, and concluded my argument with that opiated pair huddled in a darkening corner of the ship's lounge. 
Let's face it, I said, without undue malice. The early proto-Christians, your forebearers, pre-Constantinians, they weren't actually persecuted, thrown to the lions and dismembered, tortured and molested in the way that we read about in fairy books. Oh, there were those who got themselves thrown to lions, of course. Your average Roman loved a blood sport, a savage game of skill and endurance, pitting man against man and man against beast, and even beast against man if necessary to change a critical vote in the forum. Who doesn't? And naturally enough, some of the self-same poor and victimized rubes just happen to be proto-Christians. The important point to keep in mind is that these blood sports only accidentally involve the seeds of these pastime fanatico-religionists. Isn't it just as crucial to give unto Caesar at least half the dust beneath his tawny sandal? And let's face it, they weren't all that innocent. They were all, in some subtle way or another, opposed to the imperial notion of, shall I say, secular statehood? Not to speak of godless empire. Let us not mince words. We can suppose this to be true of these people, as it was certainly true of the followers of the first Jesus of Nazareth. It was his henchmen, we are led to believe, who flipped the original two-headed coin. So it seems to me grossly inaccurate to describe the sanguine pastimes of the Roman public as an organized persecution of a particular people with sectarian tendency. And anyway, I added, I have it on the best authority that those burrows of theirs weren't the only dirt works they engineered. And, I concluded, just to put a tad of yeast into the sticky brew, all they really had for sale were the hearsay recitations of an overweight Palestinian youth. And they glared at me balefully, but as they were more or less silent, I considered the issue closed. Only later did I feel a trifle guilty at what I had done, and then only after this same Deborah had forced me in my rooms in Hong Kong to pay the price of my weakness. But having sufficiently indicated my good intentions, I felt no further call to reform my behavior. We hoisted anchor on the evening of that same day and sailed out of the harbor we had so recently entered. It seemed a bit strange to be leaving so suddenly rather Arab folding his tent-like, like thieves in the night, and silently slipping away. Of course, there were no Coast Guard watchmen, and we were as free as the birds to come and go as we pleased, but I felt it strange somehow. I had hoped for another day ashore to chat up the natives and gather tourist-type information, but, alas, it was not to be. The Cayman had procured a whole lot of good stuff, masks made of real rubber, the head of Vasco da Gama done in bone, some jars of pickled nursehound and dogfish, local delicacies. We plotted a southerly course. It began to rain, so we were all confined to interior spaces.